0: what's up everybody this is stick to football bleacher reports college football and nfl draft podcast i'm your host matt miller joined on wednesday my buddy connor rogers
2: Dude, we have so much to talk about today. I thought it was the offseason. I am so excited. Yeah, we were talking like on Sunday, you and I, after after the Monday show, recording it and just planning out, hey, what can we talk about here? We'll do our usual prospects of the day and draft on draft. And then all of a sudden, Monday came and was just an absolute bomb of news. And we are going to do an early NFL free agency preview today, but we're going to cover everything else that's happened. If you missed it, Matt recorded an emergency podcast that released on Monday, so you can go back and check out that if you want an instant reaction to Kareem Hunt signing with the Browns. Kyler Murray apparently apparently, officially committed to football. It's his word, although I don't know how much that means anymore. Right. But I do think he's going to play quarterback where he signs and how this could affect the number one pick in the draft. And uh, Jeffrey Simmons, apparently going down with a torn ACL, huge news for a guy that was projected as a top 15 pick. We're going to answer your draft on draft questions since we didn't earlier in the week. We're really excited about that. But Matt, I mean, for the second week of February, this is just nuts right now. It is nuts, man. And,
0: and we also forgot we have Malik Carney, North Carolina yes. edge rusher. <laughs> Sorry, Malik. Coming I forgot. On the show. <laughs> right? There's just so much going on. Melo. And I talked to him, Sunday, so you'll get to hear that interview today. It's a lot of fun. We dove in deep with him. He was one of the players suspended for selling the team-issued shoes. Like You want to hear this interview because he does not hold back on, on what went down and his thoughts about the NCAA and, and everything. So it's a it is a great interview, one of my favorites we've had. But you're right, dude. There's so much news going on. Let's start here because, like you said, I did the emergency podcast on Monday. I want to hear your thoughts on Kareem Hunt signing a one-year, $1 million deal with the Cleveland Browns. And then we will get to Mr. Kyler Murray, who has just dominated stick-to-football all season long.
2: Without a doubt. I think when you look at the Kareem Hunt situation, this is a league of second chances, so I'm not going to even pretend to be surprised that he's back in the NFL already. We knew this was coming. I think, and I don't know if you fully agree with me, it's a little surprise of where. And not if you know John Dorsey, it's not that shocking there, but... This team has Nick Chubb, who was really freaking good as a rookie. They have Duke Johnson that they've tied some money up in, who I think is a really, really good pass-catching back. So I'm a little surprised it's the Browns, because I think it brings a spotlight to them that they probably didn't need. They've done such a good job, this regime specifically, of shaking off a lot of the you know the clouds that have hung over that franchise, where Kareem Hunt, at the end of the day, whether you believe in second chances or not, that media in Cleveland which is pretty tough for that market. They're a tough media. This is what they're going to ask about when this team gets back. Now, on the flip side, obviously the Browns feel there is a relationship there with Kareem being, you know, where he's from and knowing him when he was at Toledo that they feel he's a player that will, you know, repair his um his reputation and get his character back in line and has worked on that. So, I'm not shocked Kareem Hunt is back in the league. I kind of expected it to be the Colts instead, but Listen, man, I mean, we knew this was coming. It's just a matter of, is this a place where he'll actually get the football at all?
0: Yeah, and I I think for him, like you said, everyone thought maybe it would be the Colts or the Bears. I had heard as recently as the Super Bowl, and I think I I did so much media on Monday, I'm not even sure when and where I said this, but the the Raiders were a team that was doing a lot of work on him, which makes sense. But John Dorsey and the Cleveland Browns are definitely the most logical because Dorsey drafted him, and he did all the work on him coming out of college, only two years ago, and so they probably are more familiar with him. And I will say, and I I know we reiterated this on the emergency podcast, it wasn't only the video of him kicking the girl in the hotel. There were other issues, as many as three, I think is what I had been told, three different fights and, like, lying to the team about things. So it's really just, like... I don't know where his head is at. And and hopefully the Browns can give him that second chance and he can turn his life around and, and be a productive player, a productive member of society. That's what we hope for. Like you want to root for guys to to figure it out and and be better people instead of uh, let's kick him out of the NFL forever. And he can just go, you know, continue down this path that he's on. So I'm excited to see if he can turn things around. I, I won't be shy in admitting he was one of my favorite players in the NFL before all this went down. Like I I loved watching him play. My
2: biggest issue with it, Matt, is that guys learn lessons when they're out of the game for a really long time. And I just don't think he was away that long where I hate to sit here and say, I have my doubts, but I have some doubts. It it wasn't that long. And I would like to see him prove me wrong. I I am very vocal on this podcast that I I don't really root for players like Tyreek Hill. I've know what they've done in the past. It's, too hard for me to root for them and no matter how they make their second chances. But at the end of the day, I would like to see him be a good person, get his, you know, restore his reputation by doing the right things because at the end of the day, he is going to be back on a football field and it'll officially be with Cleveland.
0: All right. How about
2: Kyler Murray, man?
0: This is uh, again, the timing was a surprise, but he waited as long as he possibly could. I know Royals pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday as we're recording this. The A's, I believe it's, uh, it would have been Tuesday. I think it was Thursday when he would have had to rec- uh, report uh, to training camp if he was going to be a member of the A's program. He says, no, he comes out and tweets. Hey, I'm all in on football. And then it is announced uh, by me and others. <laughs> with, hey, by you. A source let, subject By you. That. He's signed with Eric Burkhart, who's a very good football agent. Coincidentally, Eric Burkhart represents
2: Cliff Kingsbury. And those dots have been connected a lot. I mean, it's crazy when you look at this. It's something that we've heard forever. And we just, this is going to take a little while. So let's take a deep breath here (laughs) and just, okay. First off, Kyler Murray loves football. Okay. He was undefeated in high school. He's one of the greatest high school players and he's coming out of Texas. It's not like he played in I don't know, South Dakota, like no offense, South Dakota or wherever, but this guy was a legend in Texas. It did take him a while in in terms of instant impact to get his college career going. You know, he obviously was a transfer to Oklahoma, had to sit behind Baker Mayfield, has an electric year as a starter and wins the Heisman Trophy. And and then you sit here and you go, okay, well, he's going to hang it up and play baseball. Not so fast. And when it comes down to it, you can always kind of tell where a person's heart is, how He would never admit that he was ready to move on from football and go and get ready to play for the A's. And when it came down to it, if you are a listener of this podcast, you know that we reported Kyler Murray was going to declare for the NFL draft. We have heard from any scout out of the big 12 or just people in the league that are, have a pulse on this stuff. Kyler Murray was seriously considering playing football and needed confirmation that he's going to be a first round pick before doing so, because financially that's what it would have taken to work out. So he gets probably better accounting endorsements finances from an NFL career, and now also gets to do what he loves. He loves being a quarterback. That's the thing here. So here's where it gets super interesting. Kyler Murray signs with Eric Burkhart as Matt reported first, and that is Cliff Kingsbury's agent. If you know anything about Cliff Kingsbury, off camera and on camera, he loves Kyler Murray. How many times in your life do you sit with the first overall pick in the draft and a player that is the key to all of your offensive success, AKA all of your success, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, is sitting right there. He's right there for the taking, no matter what you think of Josh Rosen. Cliff, uh, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury has to be wondering is there any way I can convince Steve Kime to take my guy? Yeah. I think if you hire Cliff Kingsbury, you listen to him (laughs) exactly. Like you don't fucking hire a guy
0: who got fired in college as a head coach and say, "Hey, come fix our offense," and then say, "Oh, but
2: you got to do it with these guys." Here's my thing, man. He hired Cliff, and now his job rests on the success of Cliff. Because if Cliff fails, (laughs) it's fucking over, like real fast, like in a year. You go three and thirteen, or whatever. People will be like, wow, you're an idiot for hiring the guy that failed at Texas tech. I like cliff Kingsbury. And I do think like Dana Holgerson said, he's going to find success in the NFL, but I don't know if Josh Rosen is the guy for him. I think Josh Rosen can be a really good NFL quarterback. I'm not convinced it's in Arizona with cliff Kingsbury. And you could say what you want about Kyler Murray as an NFL draft prospect. I think these two would have a lot of success together.
0: I think they could too, man. And I look at Rosen. Uh, this is something we haven't talked a lot about, uh, You and I uh, were in a couple of meetings together before last year's draft with scouts and and coaches and various personnel people. And one thing that we heard a lot about Rosen was they didn't know how mentally tough he was, you know, how well he would be able to handle adversity. If he is traded after his rookie season, do you think that's going to put a chip on his shoulder or do you think that's going to break him down?
2: It does. It's an all or nothing situation, right? It's just there's no in between. There's no hovering. You are either fueled by everything the, coming out of high school, Josh Rosen was supposed to be the guy, the savior, wherever he goes, not Sam Darnold, not Baker Mayfield, not Josh Allen, not Lamar Jackson. It was Josh Rosen. NFL draft week comes after a whatever career at UCLA, some great spots, some not great spots. There might've been friction between sometimes teammates, sometimes coaches, sometime the school in general for whatever he said. Draft week comes, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, they all get drafted before you. At some point, Matt, you got to wonder what it takes. for And he had no help in Arizona. I will give him that excuse. But Josh Rosen has all of the fuel he needs to be a very good football player. So if they do, in this crazy NFL world, move on from him already, this is it. Like, this is it. For Josh Rosen, you got to go out and show that, man, I'm starting to be passed over. I'm not wanted. Nobody believes in me. I mean, you got to go out and prove him wrong. And I don't even think he brings back a first-round pick right now. I really don't. Probably not. It's hard. It's a hard sell because they're moving on. You're not getting six from the Giants. No, no, no. You're not. You're simply not. Maybe you get a two and a three or a two and a future two. Something creative like that. And, and like I said, I loved this player. I, I thought him and Baker Mayfield were the best quarterbacks in the, in the draft last year, just as pure throwers. But right now, there are some concerns. And I just think this all circles back to one thing. If you're betting on Cliff Kingsbury's success, do you bet on it with Josh Rosen or do you bet on it with Kyler Murray? It's, it's It all dwindles down to that simple question. It's not more difficult than that. What would you do?
0: Man, when you put it all out there like that, right? When you lay everything out, like who would you bet on for Cliff Kingsbury? And I, I know like a lot of uh, because I've been tweeting about this and a lot of people on Twitter are like, you don't draft a quarterback at 10 and move on from him. Well, fuck, if Vince you can do whatever, whatever you she, want, James, you can't exactly to to get it right at quarterback. You could do whatever it want, you want. And I will just say this before we move on to Jeffrey Simmons. the The whole Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray connection at number one overall, is not us making shit up. It's not us having fun. It's not us trying to get you to listen to our podcast. I am telling you the things that I am told on a weekly basis. I wish that I could somehow blur out the names of the people that text me and, and just post them. So, but, of course, people wouldn't believe it at that, but they'd be like, oh, you that's Connor texting you. But <laughs> Might be. The, the smoke is real. And I'm not saying it will happen, but I don't think it can be discounted uh, for a lot of reasons. Jeffrey Simmons, though, a player who is top 10 on my big board news comes out Tuesday morning that he suffered a knee injury while training Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen from ESPN reported this. And it sounds like it's an ACL tear. Now, Jeffrey Simmons, you guys will remember we've talked about him before, not invited to the combine due to off field issues. There's a video of him punching a woman, uh, breaking up a fight. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but on talent, I think he's one of the 10 best players in this class, a knee injury. Uh, at this point, in the year usually cost you a round. Yeah. So if you were going to be a first round pick, you're probably a second round pick. Um. If you're a if you were like a, you know, a day three guy, it might make you undrafted, maybe a seventh round pick. But if you're a first rounder and a top 10 first rounder, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a team that got him at the top or excuse me, the bottom of the first round or the top of the second round. I think he could still be a top 50 pick. Now that's assuming everyone's comfortable with the off field, which it sounds like the last three years, he's been a model citizen, no trouble, a leader at Mississippi state, a player they really, really love, but a
2: knee injury in mid February is almost the worst time that this can happen. Oh, it's, it's absolutely brutal. And I think we, we started this show talking about Kareem hunt and talking about second chances. And I think everybody just to clarify in the world deserves second chances the biggest question is, do you deserve it in a, you know a league like the NFL? Jeffrey Simmons has made the most of his second chance at college because that incident happened before he was officially at Mississippi State. And everybody there vouches for him, that he's turned things around, that you know he's learned from that incident. Um, and I think at the end of the day, this player was going in the top 15. And, and I think a lot of people started to assume that if he made it to them, he was going to the Browns. So it's a little early for those kind of assumptions. But the bottom line is Jeffrey Simmons was a first-round pick. And I do think if this is a torn ACL, here's the problem here. He was one of the best instant impact players available in this draft. He was somebody yeah. that you take and you put him on the field right away and you're going to see instant returns. Now, that's impossible. It's just impossible. So when you lose that kind of value that you had, he's got, he could probably still be a really, really good NFL player but the instant impact thing goes out the window. You start looking at maybe the top of the second round. I know the Colts have a lot of picks and you look at the Colts there and you say, man, I could see Ballard stashing a guy like that and saying, Hey, when we get him back, we're going to be going full throttle with this rebuild full throttle. So you start looking at teams like that. Now, maybe there's a team in the back half of round one that does feel comfortable that they don't, you know, they can sign a guy like Ndamukong Sue for a year and you plug and play him in the year. And then after that, you get a guy like Simmons back where, You got him 20 picks later than you should have. That could be really good value. On the flip side, Matt, you know this very well because you follow the 49ers closely. We've seen these situations also fail before where players are hurt. Teams take them as a stash player, and sometimes it doesn't work out the way Uh, it looked. Tank Carradine, Marcus Lattimore. Uh, So many of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them.
0: You know what makes makes sense to me uh, in the first round? If you were going to do that. The Oakland Raiders. Yeah, three picks. If he's there at 27, agree. You could draft him and stash him for a year or you know, just uh, put him on the, the 10-week IR, get him back. I, I think that's a team that makes sense because you're not, then you're not forfeiting, you know, your only first round pick on a guy who's not going to play right away. Like that that's a move that I would make. If you can get, you know, whatever it is, if you get, you know, Rashawn Gary at four and Josh Jacobs at twenty-four, well, at twenty-seven, say, okay, well, Jeffrey Simmons is on the board. He's a top 10 player. Uh, we're going to draft him. And next year, he's going to be our starting three technique. And we have a player who was a top 10 guy. And when we got him at a great value, I can see Mike Mayock doing that. I can see John Gruden making that decision of, okay, this, we have three first round picks. This is why you do it. Uh, you know, there are teams that have two second round picks. The Houston Texans have two. They don't necessarily need him. Of course, the New England Patriots have two, depending on what happens to free agency. They could need him. So there are teams that also have, you know, the ability to move up and around too, if they, you know, decided to make that move.
2: All right. Now it's time to talk some NFL free agency. I am really excited about this year's free agency, Matt, because potentially there are some nice pieces. It's always a, a wild first couple of days when it kicks off. And we've gotten so sucked into all this draft talk and all this college football talk that we've kind of glossed over free agency. So, before we get everyone too excited, we're going to kill some hopes and dreams first. I, I want to talk about the franchise tag. And here are the people that I've outlined that I think do get hit with the tag if their teams can't reach extensions. Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys. I think he's good enough to give a Khalil Mack deal too. Grady Jarrett from the Falcons. Frank Clark from the Seahawks. D. Ford from the Chiefs. Landon Collins from the Giants. I think the safety tag is relatively low. And then somebody you want to talk about for a while is Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, and I think
0: Jadavian Clowney is one of the more interesting ones. Like the the guys you ripped off there, Connor, I'm with you. Demarcus Lawrence should get tagged if not signed. Grady Jarrett. It it looks like the the Falcons have been freeing up money by releasing some people. Uh, Robert Alford's gone. Uh, they they cut a kicker, but they freed up some money. It looks like they're going to try to keep Grady Jarrett around. Frank Clark, uh, I had heard last night, a Monday night, that would be that he was going to either going to be tagged or signed long term. D. Ford is maybe an interesting one. Like we'll see what the Chiefs do, but I I think they'll keep him around. Jadamian Clowney is one that I have been told within the last couple of weeks that they're not like completely convinced that they have to keep him. And one thing, I mean, we've seen this in the NFL, like the Raiders moved on from Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. Teams (laughs) can get to a point where they say, you know what? We can't afford this. We can't afford J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and Jadavion Clowney. So why don't we use up his five years And then try to get something back for him instead of just letting him walk and getting a third round compensatory pick. So if the player is worth more than that third round compensatory pick that you max out at, then you try to do a sign of trade. So not reporting that it will happen, but I I think there is some smoke right now that Clowney is somebody who could potentially be had if teams want him. And it, it gets... Messy with the franchise tag as far as sign and trade goes, but it is possible, um, especially if the Texans could work out a deal with a team to where, you know, if like we're going to use Oakland as an example a lot on this show, but if you worked out a deal with Oakland, which would be hilarious to trade Khalil Mack and then trade to replace him, but you could do that. You could effectively say, okay, we want to trade you, Javin Clowney, and the the Raiders could say, okay, we're going to give you a first and a third, here you go, you can have him. So I think Clowney is one of the more interesting ones to see, if they are able to sign him and keep him, what that salary structure looks like, because they do have, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to need to be paid very soon. And you do have JJ Watt, who is still one of the higher paid defensive linemen of football. So, and on top of that, a team with a lot of needs. And DeAndre Hopkins is one of the five best receivers in football. So they have talent at some big positions that are going to need to be paid. And I think that makes Clowney a guy who could potentially be expendable.
2: I like that idea. I, you look at Clowney, he turns 26 years old this week. So he's still really young. He, he's obviously coming off two good years where he's just just missed double-digit sacks. Nine and a half and nine sacks over the last two seasons. It's good that he's been on the field for the most part. I think he's a really good player, Matt. I don't think he's a Demarcus Lawrence kind of player. He, he's yeah. not Khalil Mack. so. If you're the Texans here, this is an important player for your team. Totally understand that. But I like Matt's idea of maybe getting a you know a first and a third back form if you can because you can capitalize on the offensive line in the first round of this class, something that you need to do to help your franchise quarterback out now. So fascinating situation for the Texans. All right, the next part of this uh, free agency preview, I want to call where the hell will they go? Me and Matt each outlined <laughs> two Waldo? premier players. My biggest question is, where does Le'Veon Bell go? Now, the easy answer is probably my New York Jets because they have the money, they have the need, and I think at the end of the day, you gotta get Sam Darnold some help, and that starts with a running game and also a guy that could catch 80 passes a year. But you can't just assume it's the Jets. Is there anyone else, Matt, you see getting in this race, and where do you think the contract hovers around? Because I don't think it'll be as big as Le'Veon once hoped.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I think that's something to remember that it's probably not going to be, you know, the $15 million deal. I I think the Philadelphia Eagles could get involved. You might have to be a little creative cap wise, but they have a need at running back and they're the type of team I could see them loading up for a run. You know, like, okay, let's load up. Let's go get a guy like a Le'Veon Bell that could hopefully put us over the top. Honestly, after that, there are not many teams that have a need at running back and the money to spend on Le'Veon Bell. Like the Kansas City Chiefs don't have the money to sign Le'Veon Bell. And you can, you could do some wild things with the salary cap, man, but with just where he's expected to be and he doesn't sound like the kind of guy who's, you know, going to take lesser money to go somewhere and yeah, win. He shouldn't. He turned down $70 million from the Steelers reportedly. So like you look at the chiefs. Yeah. They need him. Uh, they they can't afford him. So I can see the Eagles. If it's not, you're right. Like the, the New York jets are the team that makes the most sense because there's the, the marriage there of money that's available, a need and, and a, a young team that's on the rise. The Buffalo bills have the money. I don't know if let bell is going to want to go to Buffalo. If money's the most important thing to him, then maybe the Houston Texans, we just talked about with Clowney, how, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to pay all these guys eventually. They could actually pay Le'Veon Bell right now, you know, front load the hell out of that deal and make it work. It it, it would fit under their the structure of their cap um, if they don't keep Clowney and if they don't keep Tyron Matthew. I, I, those are the two guys that you have to let go of if you want Le'Veon Bell. So I, I think for a lot of teams like that's where they're at. They just got to figure out okay, what what's important to us? What are we going to make happen here? So
2: uh, the the Texans. Could do it if they really wanted, and I think it's interesting. Like the Bucks, obviously, would love to get involved, but they don't really have a ton of cap space. Right. I know they're they're going to clear more, but they got to sign their left tackle and Donovan Smith. We'll see if they let Quan Alexander hit the market, a guy that I think is a top ten free agent. He's just hurt, so uh, the Bucks have some questions there. As much as that fit is really good, and one more note on Le'Veon Bell. The, the here's the Jets' two secret weapons in this. One, they could front load the shit out of this contract and and just basically give him something that a lot of teams won't be willing to do. Maybe that's $20 million in the first year, a lot of money in the second, and then you're kind of risk-free after that. You pay as you go. Another thing, and you could laugh at this, I know from some people that Le'Veon Bell records a lot of his music in New York City. That might mean something to someone. When the money is as good as anyone else and you could do your passion project on the side, It's nice. It's nice. It matters to some guys. So it it is really interesting. All right, Matt, you have highlighted a guy that the world is seemingly forgotten about. Where the hell is is Earl Thomas going to go? That's a great question. And it's
0: right that we have forgotten about him. You know, he was almost traded, then got hurt. And you could almost run down the list of teams in the NFL and they could all use Earl Thomas, who a year ago was the best free safety in the NFL and is still... You know, relatively young guy, uh, someone that you can still count on for. If you're going to sign him to a four year deal, he would be 33 Um, as a smaller player. That might be the only question that you have. You know, if you're if you're the Cowboys, a team that he uh, reportedly walked up to Jerry Jones and said, if I'm available, come get me. If you're the Cowboys, are, are you willing a team that's been so close? Are you willing to sign Earl Thomas to three to four years? and hope that he can stay healthy and you can get the most out of him. I think the Kansas City Chiefs make a ton of sense here. They were a team that was reportedly involved when there were trade talks about Earl Thomas, and they have right now $25 million in salary cap space. They're going to have to, like we said, figure it out with D Ford. But if they let Eric Berry go, and if they let Justin Houston go, This becomes a team that has a ton of salary cap space and three picks in the top two rounds. So they don't have to spend all that money to plug in holes in free agency. That's the beauty of having Pat Mahomes and having him on a rookie contract is they're going to have some money and they can go be aggressive in free agency to get someone like Earl Thomas. So I think there are a lot of spots that make sense. I know Niners fans are like chomping at the bit like let's get Earl Thomas. And I'm sure their uh, Raiders fans probably feel the same way. And again, you could go down the list. Buccaneers fans, you mentioned them, Connor. They have no salary cap space Almost They need someone like Earl Thomas. Most teams do. So he's going to have, I think, a lot of opportunities. We saw the safety market last year incredibly flat. You know, guys like Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed, really good players, didn't sign. They didn't get those paydays. So I, I think that when you look at where Earl could go and get the type of money that he wants, I would look at the Chiefs and the Cowboys as the most likely.
2: Yeah, and when you look at someone like Justin Houston, in a perfect world, you know, Veach can move him in a trade to not get hit with the dead money because that'll be $7 million of dead money, and they could save 14 if they just cut him. But, man, if you can get that $21 million cap number off the table, you'd love to do it. The question is, who the hell is taking on that contract? Yeah. As good as Justin Houston has been. So it's interesting with the Chiefs. Mitch Morris is going to obviously maybe hit free agency here. But my biggest takeaway with Earl Thomas is uh, I just haven't seen a drop off in play, Matt. Like, I, I think he's still really freaking good, man. Like, he's somebody that you talk about all these teams that have struggled on the defensive side of the ball but can score 8 million points a game, the Chiefs being the lead candidate to that. I think I would get as creative as possible to go out and get a player like him and then maybe double down in the draft.
0: Yeah, and they they have Armani Watts, someone that, uh, that that's Melo's dude. He talks about all the time, and yeah, but but they're gonna have to figure it out with Justin Houston and Eric Berry. I mean, those guys are counting so much against the cap right now. Um, so and you're gonna have to take a hit to clear them if you do it after whether it's a post June one or a pre June one. Like you're you're gonna take a hit, and I I think that's where Brett Veach inherited maybe some contracts that he's not in love with. Of course, or if you if you cut Justin Houston, you know you automate you save 14 million dollars so if you cut Eric Berry you you end up saving uh um, well I, I think another million and a half on top of that so it's it's something they could definitely do to try to to try to free those guys Uh how about some hidden gems man you got a couple I'll stay in Kansas City Mitch Morse the center if he can stay healthy that's been an issue I think he's one of the best centers in football Donovan Smith you talked about him the Tampa Bay Buccaneers left tackle not a great left tackle but There aren't many great left tackles anymore, so you kind of got to take what you can get there. The Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, a free agent, and then my guy, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he makes the quarterback dominoes more interesting because Nick Foles is going to be involved to that. Joe Flacco is going to be involved. Bridgewater, I think, has kind of been forgotten about because he spent a year backing up Drew Brees in New Orleans. But what we saw from him in the preseason, and I know
2: it's the preseason, is limited but he looked very good. He definitely did. And I think that's a fun list there. I'm curious to see if the Texans can get back to honey badger. I think he did make a difference there. Mitch Morris quietly. Just one of those guys that can be a plug and play center, a big upgrade for a lot of teams. My hidden gems here. Quan Alexander talked about him earlier. I think he's a top 10 free agent. Absolutely love him in the middle of the field. He can run and cover. He can really shut down the run. Preston Smith on the edge. The numbers haven't been. Man, I like of the him. sacks, but he's so good. He's just rock solid on the edge. Zadarius Smith. I, saw, I watched a lot of his film and, and notices a lot of his uh, damages come from facing guards on the inside for an edge player, but plays really well in space from what I saw. Another exciting tier two kind of edge. And then Trey Flowers from New England. New England doesn't always pay these premier guys. They just replace them and still win Super Bowls. But when it comes down to it, I would pay Trey Flowers. And, and I'm curious to see what his market is. And just one more since we didn't talk about him. I don't think he's a hidden gem because everyone's well aware but another injured player that can just be a superstar for an offensive line, Matt Paradis from the Broncos. So yeah. is this a star-filled class, especially after the franchise tag kills all of our dreams and hopes? No. But can you plug and play holes? Yes, you definitely can. And I think it's a fun group to watch when things kick off in March. Yeah. And what's, like,
0: I guess, like, it's okay. I, I was going to say it sucks about this for agency is The free agent class is strong where the draft is. And like, you love it for it to be the opposite, right? Like, oh, this is perfect. Nope. This whole offseason is so deep on the D line that it's like, yeah, Jadavia Clowney could be a free agent, but Nick Bosa's in the draft. And like, oh, Grady Clark could be a free agent. Well, Ed Oliver's in the draft. And it's like a lot of these guys who are very similar are going to become available. So it's going to be wild. Free agency kicks off in one month, March 13th, which also happens to be the Oklahoma pro day and The day before I go on vacation, so it's March 13th. is going to be a great day in one of my favorite parts of draft season is we get to talk to these prospects and Connor is out getting a little pump in. So Melo and I got a chance to sit down and talk to North Carolina pass rusher Malik Carney, an interview that we did Sunday night. I think you guys are going to like it. Mello, another great guest of the 2019 draft class. we got Malik Carney from North Carolina, a pass rusher, someone who's been a very good Shrine game, invited to the NFL scouting combine. Malik, welcome to Stick to Football, man.
3: Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, Malik, you are getting ready for the combine. What's one thing that you're working on right now to get yourself ready for that?
1: Um, I'm working on a lot of things. You know, just as far as the uh, position drills, you know, just making sure I'm, I'm precise and I'm, and I'm smoothing my drills when I get there. And, uh, you know, I'm working on a lot of things, my 40, my bench press, you know, the little things just perfect my craft so I can be at the top of my game when I uh, when I get to the, the combine.
3: So you're at about 250 pounds right now. Do you plan on working primarily as a defensive lineman? You think you're going to have to stand up and do some coverage drills with linebackers? What do you think that's going to look like for you?
1: Uh, yeah, primarily you know, I'm weighing around that weight right now. And uh, you know I feel comfortable playing that stock position as well because uh you know, I played that in high school and that was my original position to go down and play at uh, North Carolina. But um, <clears throat> playing that defense, the end position is uh you know I, I started out at um <clears throat> uh, playing down in North Carolina and uh, you know just kind of it came along with me and you know just it's just kind of you know that's where I ended up playing and and uh, being really great at it off that edge. But um, just showing that versatility, uh, and uh, I, I kind of do feel that um, I'll be uh, you know, in some coverage drops and you know, just showing my versatility, that that'll make me more valuable as a player, just coming off that edge and being able to drop in coverage and cover tight ends and running backs coming out the backfield.
0: Yeah, and, and you were, I, I think in my opinion, you were the best defensive player for North Carolina this past year, and uh, unfortunately, they only got you for eight games because of the NCAA uh, we have our opinions on it, but what are uh, what are you going to say to teams, or what have you said to teams when they ask about the fact that you were suspended four games, not for academics, not for failing a test, but because you sold some shoes? Uh, it it seems it seems like a small deal, but this is how the NCAA works. Now that you're free, the NCAA can't get at you anymore. Well, how do you really feel about this? Um, to be honest,
1: you know, Once teams do ask me about it, um. <clears throat> I tell them the truth and, you know, as I should and as I always will, you know, just, you know, like I'm about to tell you, you know, just we were issued a pair of team shoes and, you know, not thinking about it, you know, there were only 150 made. And, you know, I was offered, you know, a crazy amount of money that I thought was a no-brainer. You know, at the time, you know, you're know, you young and, you know, you're in college and you don't really have the money and all the things that you would want. You know, and I decided to sew the shoes. And, uh, you know, with that being said, you know, uh, at this point, you know, and I'm away from Carolina and I'm looking back on it, I'm very disappointed in myself because uh, not only did I hurt myself, but I hurt the team, you know, as much value as I get to the team, coming off the edge of that pressure, um, getting to the quarterback, you know, and it's just I'm more disappointed in myself for making that mistake, you know, as, as a senior, as a leader, uh, team leader on the, on the, on the team. Um, you know, it kind of hit me a certain way, as as, as far as you know, uh, just being out there with the guys that you know that, that really needed me and looked up to me as a team uh, team leader and uh, a playmaker on the defense. <clears throat> but with that said, you know, uh, I don't I don't regret any of the decisions that I made. Uh, uh, if I could take it back, I would. But you know, you live and you learn, and uh, you know, I'm glad that it, 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 if it happened to anybody, I happened to me, so the young guys can see and learn. From my mistakes and uh you know just just be aware that you know like it's real you know you can really get suspended for things that you never thought that you could and uh you thought that you would never happen so um you know and uh I've been told you know maybe it worked out in my best favor of being suspended but you know I wish I still had those four games to show uh you know scouts and, and uh the league what I'm really capable of um you know, with the stats and numbers that I put up this year, these were eight games, uh, I felt like I could have done a lot more with those extra four games. Just took over and just, you know, separated myself even more. But um, yeah, that's why I'm at with it. You know, I don't, I don't have any regrets or or, or uh, anything like that on the decision that I made. But I am, I am disappointed in myself for making that uh that decision to to uh, sell them shoes.
3: Well, you you can be disappointed, and I get that missing out on that time. Uh, with your teammates and everything, kind of letting them down. But it's pretty fucked up you couldn't sell those shoes, man. They were your shoes to sell, and, like, that's where I stand on it. (laughs) Those are your shoes to sell. You didn't cheat. You didn't take any, like, performance-enhancing drugs or anything like that. You didn't do anything. You just sold some shoes, and the NCAA comes down on it. I can put some shoes up on Craigslist right now. Nobody gives a shit, but you guys can't sell your shoes when there's only 150 pairs of them. It's fucked up. I'm not your agent. Don't tell NFL teams that. But I think we all know that's how you feel.
0: I think I could sell one of my kids on Craigslist and not lose four games. Like, it, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And I know you You probably can't say as much as you want to because you know, teams might hear this and, and people want you to do what you did and take responsibility and say, hey, I messed up. I'll own it. I, I do want to know, did you have to give the money back or did you get to keep it?
1: Uh, no, I had to uh, give the money back for oh. so what um, every every penny that I sold it for. Um, I had to give it to a uh, charity, and uh, I chose to give it to the Ronald McDonald House out of Chapel Hill. That's good. Um, you know, that's why I felt more comfortable. I did some charity work there, and it was only right to give it back to them.
0: Well, that's cool. At least someone, someone, if someone was going to benefit other than you, it's good that it was a charity. So, is that something? I mean, you know, you're going to get asked about it probably every every interview you do at the combine. Did people ask you about it? The scouts ask you about things like this a lot at the Shrine game, or were they more focused on, you know, hey, where do you see yourself playing at the next level? And you, like you mentioned, you had a very productive year. In, in eight games, you had six sacks. You had five forced fumbles, 12 tackles for a loss. So are, do you feel like right now teams are more trying to figure out you as the person or you as a player?
1: Um, more of me as a person. Um, you know, at the Shrine game, I could just give a little quick rundown of how everything happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know they kind of knew who exactly who I was, and uh, you know a lot of scouts came to me and was wondering what I was doing at the East and West Shrine Game and thought I would be invited to the Reese as I thought uh, I would too. Um, you know, just uh, but how it went down. You know, they usually ask more about my character and everything, not really so much about you know the type of plays and everything that I made, but more so sort of my character and uh, about the shoes. And uh, I gave them the whole rundown on, on how everything happened and, and what it was. And, um, you know, they didn't really seem too concerned or like that was, uh, you know, very important uh, of me. It wasn't like I failed the drug test or I did any criminal, um, you know, crimes or anything like that or was arrested or anything. But um, it was just simply the uh sold shoes to a teammate um, I thought was innocent as could be, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, that just kind of happened and caught up to us. Um, you know, I wasn't the only one. And uh, one of the guys told us. The shoes to the wrong person, and uh, you know, they kind of put on the internet, and you know, they found out, and you know, they just kind of, you know, um, you know, tell everybody to bring their shoes in one by one, and uh, you know, we were guys that weren't able to get our shoes back, so we went on the list and we got you know investigated, uh, and that's how you did the suspensions. It was all based on the amount of money that you sold, and uh, mine was at seven fifty. You know, it was not a secret. Uh, I sold them for seven fifty, and uh, because of that number. Uh, I had to out four games. I think it was 400. I think it was 201 games. I think maybe like 252 games. 500 was three games. Anything over. I think like 600 was four games. I believe so.
0: That's crazy and, uh, to me that yeah, that's like, how they determine how many games. Like, the,
1: if yeah, the somebody amount, really yeah, the wanted the shoes,
0: amount. you get suspended more games. How does that make sense? Yeah,
1: it's, it's based off the dollar amount. Uh, based off the dollar amount. Uh, you had to sit out of a certain money game games. And, uh, you know, how I look at it now, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, giving someone a gift, but you're putting restrictions on the gift. You know, that's how I kind of look at it. But, I mean, it's NCAA, you are not supposed to profit or anything from it. And, uh, you know, it is what it is.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's messed up, man. We'll we'll move on, maybe from that topic, though. I can't <laughs> I'm believe getting you, mad. So we need. To. I can't believe you got seven hundred and fifty dollars for the shoes. That's awesome. It, it sucks that you had to give them back and all that. But you mentioned high school too, and I want to bring it up because you went to a very very famous high school. You went to TC Williams there in Virginia. What was that like as a high school kid going to a high school that is so famous for football? Well, you
1: know, just being in the moment and being there, you know. You, you kind of you kind of overlook it a little. You know, being in there, you hear about, you know, the Titans, room the Titans every day. You hear, you know, you see, you see about it. You you watch the movie a thousand times. And, you know, and it kind of got to the point where I was seeing here, you know, we, you know, you know, the movie was great, you know, and not to knock on anything, but, you know, as a team, you know, we wanted to, we hear so much about that. The guys, we wanted to start our own legacy. Right. You know, and, you know, just being humble with that. We haven't made the playoffs in I think 22 years, prior to my senior, uh, uh, senior season. That uh, you know we we ended that 22 year drought of not making the playoffs. So that was very fortunate of uh, me and Jeremiah Clark. We both uh, as seniors, you know, committed to UNC. We were uh, we broke that drought for 22 years and not making the playoffs, and that was something that we started our legacy with. And, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And uh, Something to move forward
0: with. So, what's your favorite football movie? If it, it's probably not "Remember the Titans," like you said, you've probably seen it a thousand times. Uh, what What would be your top one? Uh,
1: my top one would have to be "The Remember the Titans." It would be. All
0: right, Well, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to go. The, have you seen the movie "The Program"? It's kind of old school. The
1: program, thing. yeah. No, I haven't. I
0: haven't. Uh, you're, there's a line in there that you would love because they call the NCAA the NCAA assholes, and I feel like you can <laughs> relate. So, <laughs> uh, it's a good movie. Check it out. You, it's on Amazon. You'll have, you have to check it out. I think okay, you'll I have like it. Yep, the program. You have the program. It's, all, it's from the 90s. It's good, though, I promise. Uh, so what, where are you at right now training? Are you uh, are you staying close to school? Are you at one of these facilities getting ready? I, I know a lot of guys, like they go to Exos or they go to APEC. Like. Where are you at getting ready for uh, this combine that's coming up in just a couple weeks and is going to be really important for you?
1: Yeah, I am training in um, San Diego Exo's facility. Um, my instructor is uh, Roy Holmes, a great guy. You know, um, you know, trusting the process and everything he's teaching, his, his technique uh, is really helping me out a lot and preparing me for the combine. So, um, can't wait to get there and uh, perform out
3: so you're preparing a lot what is like your favorite pass rush move because there's a whole handful of them guys always use something different like what's your go-to pass rush move i don't
1: know if i should be telling you this one on on my interview man (laughs) giving away all my all my all my
3: yeah you can't you can't give away the secrets
1: i'll give you a few just just to keep it uh you know simple i like to go to a little quick long arm you know quick spin uh speed off the edge you know i'm you know, I kind of mix mix it up a little bit. It all depends on how the tackle is setting. If he's off on his heels, if he's setting aggressively, um, it all depends on what the tackle's doing at that game, at that moment.
2: Honestly.
3: And who's who is the toughest tackle that you had to face that week at the Shrine? I know that there's a lot of good one-on-one matchups. Who is the guy that gave you the most problems?
1: Well, good question. Uh, personally, uh, I played more stack backer at that uh, at the Shrine game, but. Um, to be honest, you know, not to knock on anyone, uh, no one really stood out to me. Uh uh maybe because I didn't have that many reps at that uh the end position coming off the edge. Uh but um, you know, they were all great tackles there. They all, you know, did their job and everything. But um uh, not one person that I, I would say that stuck out to me that uh at that you
3: know, at that level. Yeah, yeah, and I, I might call bullshit on that, but you've been so honest with us this entire interview that I, I actually believe you. You probably didn't have anybody like really give you any trouble there.
0: Yeah, and, and as far yeah. as the combine goes, are you, you gonna come out ready to rock? You gonna do everything, bench forty, the whole deal?
1: Yeah, as of right now, yeah, I'm full go. I'm uh, participating in every, uh, every drill, every event.
0: What's your best drill?
1: Uh. I don't know. That's that's a great question. I I, I don't think I'm uh. we have to wait and see on that one. I honestly don't know what would be my best, my best drill.
0: All right, all right, we'll find out in about three weeks. I guess so. We'll know. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right, man. We appreciate your time and and seriously, thank you for being honest. I know you're probably tired of talking about it. So uh, we we appreciate you <laughs> shedding some light on everything. Um, and we we do. We, we wish you the best of luck, and we'll be watching to see how you doing, Andy. Man, I
1: appreciate it, man. Thanks.
0: All right, Connor, it's draft on draft time. Before we do that, thanks again to our guy, Malik Carney. Had a ton of fun talking to him Sunday night. Uh, and I, I guess we'll thank Melo for, for hopping on and doing an I energy guess. that we could run on the midweek show. So a uh, lot of good draft on draft questions, though. Again, we, we're sorry we couldn't get to those on the Monday morning show. There's just been a lot of news going on. And we we know you guys want to hear about those takes. So we'll make it up to you today. We'll make it up to you at the meetups if you come out March second, Two D Brewing Company in Indianapolis. Uh, Ninety-one people have signed up, Connor. Wow. We are so close to one hundred that I, Need I'm, it. I'm I'm going to be a just a promotion machine trying to get the the people there. First question from our guy Hunter Neal: Which 2019 NFL draft prospect has the best chance? Oh, God, to be a star in the AAF?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, Ryan Not in the NFL. Ryan Finley. Maybe oh, like you yeah. can win with a noodle arm in the AAF. Yeah. Uh, Who else would be really fun? Mine is Easton stick. Oh God. <laughs> You're just triggered a lot of people with that. Right. Game. I know
0: all of North Dakota is mad at me now, but I really do. I, I think he could, he can make it there and, and be good and, you know, have a God, you can have a decent career. Um, I, I think like you can look at like some of the small receivers, like Penny Hart, Penny Hart, not a combine invite, so you start to wonder if he's he going to be drafted. Disappointed. He's so small. thought he was Georgia good. State Moby. guy. Yeah. But, yeah, great senior bowl week. I can see Penny Hart being, you know, the guy that's like a great Greg Ward Jr. Where we're like, what? Whatever happened to him? And then he's tearing it up for the, the San Antonio Commanders. My team, the San Antonio Commanders, and, and just own them, folks.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen. I'm a Fleet fan, so we don't know what winning is like just yet. But I am gonna, I'm still gonna follow this league. I know everyone's like, oh, it's opening night. Of course, people are tuned in. Like, I listen. Football is football. It was a lot of fun, yep. Uh man. If if I'm gonna go with the non-quarterback, I'm gonna steal one of your takes here and maybe Ben Burke Curvin. Oh yeah, isn't Scooby in the league? And Scooby's you, in. You basically called him same curve. guy. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. He's gonna be an absolute star. Listen. There's nothing wrong with the AAF. You go star in that league. There is nothing wrong with that. Our guy Tyler Warden over under four and a half. God, you guys love the AAF. Over under four and a half AAF players making it onto NFL rosters. I'm taking the over on that. I'm, yeah, I would too. Yeah. Do we I, count I practice squads? I, I would say active
0: roster. Okay, then it's a little tough. Then it's tough, yeah. Our guy Tyler Ward, he was—he uh, sent us Snapchats. He was shotgunning beers before the Hot Shots game. That's so like this great. dude is all in on it. So well, he
2: rooted for a good uh, team. They scored yeah, like thirty-eight points. Teams.
0: It's the it's those uniforms, man. I do still think that's the coolest team name.
2: It's it's pretty awesome. The yeah. Starter Jackets. If the AF wants to hook up stick to football with the Starter Jackets, oh we will promote the shit out of them. Wherever. they have been for free. So yes, yeah. The, you know, maybe just a little reward. For that. Yeah. <laughs> also reminds me, Matt said on the top of this that, you know, we've been trying to keep up with your guys draft on draft questions. We absolutely love them. It's our personal favorite part of the show to interact with you guys. We're going to be going live on Instagram a lot more to catch up on those. So if you're not yep. following stick to football on Instagram, it's just at stick to football. You'll see me. You'll see Matt. You'll see Mello. And we're just going to that's going to be a big part of our draft season. So I want to get that in there for the fans.
0: Yeah. Another AAF question. You ready for coming? this? Keep him
2: coming. Patrick
0: Chamberlain's uh sticky of the year front runner. If you had to pick one player from the AAF to call up based on his first week of play, who would it be and what team? I would take Ooh. Greg Ward and put him on the Niners yeah. immediately. Like he could be what Taylor Gabriel was for Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. And I know like that Marquise Goodwin, but like I, I think Greg Ward would be a fine fit. I, I think uh David Cobb. Yep. I would put David Cobb on the Raiders tomorrow.
2: I mean, I can't believe David Cobb's not in the league. Same. I don't know. Like, back. I completely missed that. And me and you liked him as a prospect. Yeah. And he played, like, a little for the Titans as a rookie and just disappeared. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe he just struggled early on and this is his way back in. But <laughs> I thought I thought Greg Ward looked, like, refined at receiver. Yeah. Like, he didn't look like a guy that used to play quarterback anymore. It's right. like, oh, no, that guy knows how to play the position now. So, uh, I've... I can't disagree at all. I think it's Greg Ward. Yeah. And defensively, like
0: Zach Sanchez looked good for the commanders. Um, And I didn't get to watch a ton of the games on Sunday because we have to work on Sundays doing the podcast and draft 400 stuff. But I, I thought Zach Sanchez looked really good. So, uh, it, it was exciting, man. I'm, I'm ready for this weekend. Kid-free weekend. I'm going to watch
2: AAF. Let's all, go. All it's amazing. Let's go. Baker for MVP oh, is Jesus. wondering. You are banned from this show. Do you think the AAF <laughs> will actually pull players away from the collegiate system? Um, how would you? How would the high school to AAF to NFL process work? Matt, I yeah, can so hear you chomping at the bit. Yeah, all man. Right. No, they've said they won't. So this is important
0: to note. The AAF is not trying to compete with the NFL. The XFL Yes, they are. The AAF really wants to become the farm system, the minor league for the NFL. So they will abide by the same rules the NFL uses. You have to be three years removed from high school. So they're not going to take Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. They, they are not going to try to compete with the NFL for players. They want to take guys that could not make it in the NFL and develop them to give them a chance to learn. Like we say with Greg Ward, to refine your game, to take a guy like Logan Woodside, or or John Wolford, you know, to Luis Perez. Guys who just couldn't cut it in the pros, but maybe had some talent and needed a little more time, a little more coaching. So the AAF is never going to do anything, at least early on, to upset the NFL. Their games are airing on the NFL network.
2: Now the XFL, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. That is going to be fascinating to see who they can pull out of the college ranks that just wants to get paid. They want to get paid. They want to show how good they are, and then they can go on to the NFL. So that'll be very different. But like Matt said, look at the people involved in this league. I mean, Troy Polamalu, Bill Polian, I think Justin Tuck has a hand in things, Heinz Ward. These guys aren't working against the NFL. That is not the goal. So it's, you know, it's going to truly attempt to be a developmental league. We've always said the NFL has the best developmental league for free already in college football. But I, I do like the angle they've taken, and I do see why it can find some of its own success or sustainability. Justin yeah. Sigismonti, would the Giants even think of picking Kyler Murray? I need Eli gone. You do need Eli gone, yes. Justin.
0: I don't think so, nope. man. I, I think, I honestly think Dwayne Haskins is their guy. Um, just on. Um, kind of what we've been if hearing. If they're smart, that's who should be yeah. the guy. So I don't, I don't think Kyler.
2: So. I don't think Kyler's just sitting there at six. I'm not confident Kyler's sitting there at six. Yeah, And man, I said
0: this on the the solo pod on Monday. If you're the Giants and you have the largest media market in the U.S. and are you going to draft a guy who couldn't handle Dan Patrick interviewing him to be your franchise <laughs> a quarterback? Gatorade bottle? <laughs> no fucking way. There's no way I'm going to draft somebody who's just like plays with his hair while you ask him questions. Like the... And, and like, what's the, the thing is like, you can YouTube Kyler Murray. He was that way in high school. He was that way at AM. Like, that's just how he is. He's just kind of aloof. So the giants, no, you can't like the same reason that I didn't think they could draft Baker Mayfield there. If he'd been available like and I, Baker's a hell of a player, but you need someone in New York. Who's like Sam Darnold. Who's like Eli Manning. Yeah, who's just boring. Even keel all the time,
2: which is good. Boring is good out of your quarterback. Like, yeah, you're not fighting with Arian Foster on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's Bobby Fino to you, my friend. But anyways, <laughs> uh, all right, last one from J.P. McCauley. I'm sure you've seen the picture of D.K. Metcalf. It got me thinking of Calvin Johnson. I'm curious if you all think D.K. has the potential to have a Calvin-like career, similar size and traits coming out of college. No. Yeah. So
0: when I saw the picture, my I'm not accusing anyone of anything, okay? When I saw the picture, my first thought was, that's not natural. And then I thought, maybe this picture has been altered. And then I got someone to send me the original, and the photo is not altered. So we're good on that. I think you can be too big, and I worry about stiffness. At the Combine, they do a a test called the FMS, and it's uh, just functional movement score. And so they look at can how can you touch your toes? You know they do like the you remember that test you did in like elementary school where you sit and push the oh, yeah, thing the, on the box. The
2: president it was like the presidential. Yes, thing. yeah, I don't know. They still do that. I that, don't know either. You but should they no, do you it at the kids. combine.
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't tell me anything, man. <laughs> That's true. So I I worry about flexibility, especially at receiver. You need to be able to turn and especially your upper body adjust and find the ball. I like DMA, DK Metcalf, and hey, guess what? The guy loves to work out. That's a positive. He's not afraid of the weight room, but you can be too big to be, you know, like functionally uh, flexible and agile. And there are some other guys like AJ Brown's in that picture. He's shredded. Paris Campbell is rocking like an eight pack, but they look normal, like not normal because they don't look like receivers they look more like you than me, fact receivers. But yeah, but they don't look like David Boston.
2: I, I'm just gonna say this, and, and I, I'm not hating at all. I, I like the question, JP, because I think it's it, it's interesting when you see just guys that are that physically impressive. Calvin Johnson at the NFL Combine ran a four three five. That yeah, at geez. six foot five, two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pounds. I mean, Metcalf is gonna run better than his high school time, but his high school time was four seven two. He's not running a four three five. If he does, I'll own it. I'm wrong. I, I just think. Oh, man, I think Calvin was rare. Rare, he was yeah. rare. I mean, special. Really, to be really that special. Size. And I would also point well, out, you what happened to Calvin
0: at the end of his career? Man, he broke down. He walked away. He was like, "I'm Big good." Players break down. I would almost rather take like an, a mid-sized wide receiver who's going to last a long time. You know, and like Calvin just did. Man, he he got slow. The
2: injury started hitting. Like.
0: Not slow, slow, but he slowed down.
2: Yeah, you get beat up. And I mean, he was the offense in Detroit for how long? Eventually you you wear down. So I mean, we're excited about the wild. What's that? Usually guys cut weight to run fast at the combine. I okay. So that picture, it's amazing. There is something to be said about a picture after a fresh pump and just ang I don't know. He's huge for a receiver. Like he's Probably too Obviously, you know more about this than I, I do. Just, I think <laughs> when he gets to the combine, people are like, okay, he's jacked. But like, uh, I don't know, man. That was like rare. That was rare. It's crazy. Yeah. He looks like Josh Gordon in that picture, like when Josh was like full training comeback mode. What do you think he weighs? He has to be at least 240 in that picture. Because yeah. he's already 6'4". I mean, he's clearly flexing. I'm looking at the picture. It, but here's the thing. I just don't know how much it improves his draft stock. <laughs> like, Not at all. Everyone's like, how do you press him? I'm like, you don't. You play off and you sit yeah. on his route. make him run. Yeah. Oh, my. Like, what? Like, why would you press him? So I just, I, DK Metcalf is an exciting prospect. But, like, I just, I, I, and I was like, this is sick. Like, this is, he's gigantic. Especially next to, AJ Brown's a big dude. And yeah. he looks way bigger than him. But it's just like, okay. Like, he got a still go do a three cone and a 40 you still got to catch the ball, catch the ball. You know, and, like, and hopefully, you know, hopefully for DK, the most important thing that has gotten lost in all this is that he has a really good medical check and can be back on the field right away. So yeah, I love it. What a man. What a while. It's that time of year. It's the middle of February, dude. This I, is supposed to be like a slow time. <laughs> oh, it is far from that. Far from that. So uh, one last thing that we didn't get to, we asked for your iTunes reviews on the Monday show, and holy shit, did you guys deliver? Oh my god, they're great. I mean, we and, got, it was it was great. Y'all bought into the inside
0: jokes because a couple of them were like, "I can't believe Bosa fell out of round one of the skill player mock draft." It was, it was so <laughs> fun. so. We love it. Uh You guys are the best. Hey, keep doing them. Oh. We, we
2: we're so close to a thousand. So. Keep it going. We appreciate the hell out of it. Yeah, it does mean a lot to us. Uh, Like we've said earlier, we can't wait to meet a lot of you guys at the Indy NFL Combine meetup at 2 Deep Brewing on that Saturday, March 2nd. So uh, just a lot of exciting stuff ahead for Stick to Football, and we are not slowing down. We have a lot of big guests up ahead, a lot of good meetups. I know Matt and Mello have Nashville, uh, Royals, I mean, if you're anywhere in Kansas City, you've got to go to the Royals tailgate. Oh, yeah. Have the
0: guys from Boulevard are supposed to come out. We might have some NFL player
2: friends come out. Oh. Just going to leave that hanging there. That would be fun. Good Lord. It's only, I mean, it, this is the rocket ship time of year. You hop on and you just go. So subscribe to Stick to Football if you haven't already. And uh, keep sending those draft on draft ca- questions. and. Obviously, catch the guys on Friday's show, and we will catch you guys together next week.